Well, good morning. Man, it is good to worship Him. He is such a good God. Isn't it good to have a God who sees us, who loves us, who has us? We have a good God. And, and we're just so thankful you're here. If this is your first time or you're new with us, man, thanks for joining us. You're sitting around a bunch of people that are probably a lot like you. We're just trying to figure things out in life. We're trying to figure out how do we become all that we're supposed to be. And, 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 and in that vein, we even how do we become all that God really wants us to be, right? And so let's just go to the Lord, Lord in prayer and, and just pray for this day. Father, we pray. We pray a prayer of thanks and gratitude for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we pray that even though we can look around at the world and we can see all sorts of things that are troubling, all sorts of things that are even hard to see. Some of us saw this week, this weekend in Virginia. We can look and we can be reminded even in the troubling things that, Lord, you've called people to be not only your people, but to be advocates of peace and grace. To be the, if you will, the ambassadors for all that is good. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here. Lord, I, I pray for whatever and wherever they are in life. I pray that, Lord, your spirit would speak today. I think there's going to be some that they're facing fear and you're going you're gonna to call them to faith. That, Lord, there's hurt or pain and you want to bring healing. Lord, for those who may be angry, may you give way to gentleness and for Lord, those that just need to hear your voice, may, may you give them the ears to hear. Lord, we, we, we love you and we thank you. And we pray, Lord, that as we long for all these things, it's for the purpose of being your people and it's also for the purpose of knowing you in such an intimate and real way. That you aren't just a list of things that we ought to be doing and you aren't just an idea or a belief system, but that, Father, you are a real and active God in our lives that shapes everything about who we are. And so, Father, I pray that this would be our heart today. This is our prayer. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, a great time worshiping together. I'm, I'm excited about uh, this series that we're starting. I mean, we're getting to do this for the next number of weeks. We get to talk about doing things that matter because I've never got to talk about it before. And I'm so jacked about it. And uh, it's a subject that's near and dear to me. And it's a subject that I know has become near and dear to several of us. And have you ever had um, an idea in your life? And I'm sure you have. So let me say it this way. You've had an idea in your life that has sort of taken over your mind. You know what I mean? Like it's an idea that's, it's compelled you, it's kind of filled your heart, and it's sort of, you're, you kind of, it kind of beats out of your chest. You didn't get this idea. Maybe it's a moment of compassion. You're like, I got to do something. Or it's, a, it's an idea of a dream that you have, and you're like, I just, I just can't wait to get there. And you have this thing inside of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, no. Uh, <laughs> this happens in life? Well, imagine if you did, right? But here's the thing that I've noticed about life is that there's so many times we get these ideas, there's so many times these moments come to us where we, we have a picture of what God may really want to do in this world. 
We have a picture of what he wants to do with our life. We have an, a hope that fills us up and it's kind of oozing out of us. And over time, though, what happens for so many of those ideas in those moments? That it begins to fade. You know what I'm talking about? And, and before you know it, that thing that you were all energized about sort of vanishes, just sort of like a mist. And you've got to move on with life. And, and I want to talk about an idea. I want to talk about an idea of life. Your life, my life. And it's an idea that, that you know, just being real, it kind of compelled me at one point. But there's been moments when it's just sort of vanished and it's just sort of language and words. And then other times it's an idea that's like, man, it's just bursting at the seams and it's like coming alive all around me. And it's this idea of doing things that matter. They're just four words. But it's so much bigger than that. And I want to get into this with a thought that we'll throw on the screen. And the thought is simply this. If we have it, I don't know if we do. Is the thought on the screen? <laughs> God will call you to do things you thought you'd never do. He will call you to do things you didn't even know you wanted to do. That'll come up eventually. There it is. I'm going to say that one more time for dramatic effect. <laughs> God will call you to do things you thought you'd never do, never do. He'll call you to do things you didn't even know you wanted to do. Now, I've shared so many times about this idea that there's things that I've never wanted to do that I end up doing. Anybody have this experience? Like, I never, I, I said this so many times, and I don't mean it like I thought it was a bad thing, but I never wanted to plant a church. I said it over and over again, and yet here we are, right? I never wanted to do it. I said, it's, there's, no, it's not us. I also said I was never going to have four kids. I also said we were never going to own a minivan. Absolutely never, never, never. And now we're rolling deep every Sunday to the church we planted with four kids. You know? I mean, it just happens. You, you're doing the things you never saw coming. And so now I shout from the rooftops all the time, right? I'm never going to be a millionaire. I'm never going to be a millionaire. <laughs> never, ever, ever going to be a millionaire. I'm just putting this thing to the test to see what happens. So God planted this dream in us. That was one thing that we thought we'd never do. And, and so doing things that matter is very much tied to this church because it came alive in a season which we were searching about our own life. We were searching about what God wanted to do and, and we discovered that there was something that was compelling us and calling us that we didn't ever see ourselves doing. So the genesis of the series, if you will, is that God can deposit something in you and do something in you that you never saw coming. And, and, and I really want to say that to each and every one of you, that God may have something. And it doesn't necessarily mean you, sometimes radical faith is framed in this idea that you got to go do something radical. <laughs> like, you know, move to the other side of the world or, you know, give up your career. I'm not saying that, although it may mean that. What I'm really saying is sometimes radical faith is just actually doing the things that God's already said for us to do. <laughs> if we actually did the things that God already told us to do, not only in his word, but the things that he's already spoken to you, well, we'd probably be living lives full of all sorts of things that matter. So two years ago, this book came out. We celebrated it, celebrated it, gave it away to everyone. We still give it away. And uh, God is, just, I'm just, you know, he's used it beyond this church, you know. I mean, and we're not going to talk about the book, just so you know, but it, it, sold, it sold like tens of books on Amazon. It's been unreal. <laughs> <laughs> It actually has been really cool to see how God's used it. It's been used all over, 
the place in a lot of cool ways. Now it's not any time like huge bestseller. You know, I'm not. You know, but I couldn't think of a really famous <laughs> author. <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. Churches have used it in sermon series. It gets used every summer in this kind of um, leadership thing that students do, and hundred thousand, not hundred, a thousand students go through and teach through the four values of live differently, love recklessly, lead courageously, dream well. It's kind of cool, like you know, even there's a church in our city right now that's using it in their sermon series, and people have been, not just this one, uh, <laughs> a church. It's all over the place. Anyway. Uh, we thought it would be a great idea to return to its core, right? To return to its core message and its core kind of idea. But today will be the only day that I sort of teach, if you will, some of what's in the book. I mean, I'll probably touch on it here and there, but it's going to really, we're going to try and extend beyond it, if you will, and extend into um, really what God's doing in the life of our church these days. What is he calling us to do that matters for his kingdom and for the sake of the city and for the sake of those around us and the sake of our own lives? And so we're going to be engaging in a lot of those things, but today I'll, I just want to kind of get into the, the heart of what this idea that has compelled us in so many different ways, what it's all really about. Um, and, it, and, you know, really one of the places that, that it starts is, I, I have the story that a lot of you have heard me tell before, but it's, I have this semi-fascination with uh, Mount Everest. Um, it's just something that I just, every time there's something on television about Mount Everest, I'm like, I'm on it. I'm like, what's going on on Everest? And believe it or not, the same thing is still going on on Everest. People are trying to get to the summit. Because why? It is the most exclusive piece of property in the entire world. It is literally standing on top of the world. People want to get to the summit of Everest. And if you ever decide to go to Everest, you need to go a couple things. The first thing you need to know is 90% of all people who climb Everest will experience frostbite and they probably will lose fingers, toes, and parts of your nose and all that kind of stuff, right? So you got to know that first. The second thing you need to know, there's only two times a year that you can actually go climb Everest. The rest of the year, it's too dangerous. The winds are too brutal. I mean, the jet, it's so tall, the jet stream actually runs into Everest. You know, I mean, so if you're standing on the mountain, it will literally blow you off the face of the mountain, the north face, right? And so it'll take you off and you will go somewhere else. And so there's this time of the year in which the warm monsoon airs sort of sweep across the Himalayas and everything simmers down, and it's the perfect conditions, and your only shot to actually get to the summit of Everest. And so climbers call this period of time the silent beckoning of Everest, in which the mountain is beckoning them to come, right? It's like, come and climb me. I'm available to you. And so the climbers, they wait for these moments. And, and I'm probably so inspired by the stories around Everest because the people that actually go and do this, the crazy people that do this, they're so, not only do they have the courage and all that kind of stuff, but they are so totally, there's like a reckless abandon for this. No matter what it costs, they're going to get to the summit. And I've also wondered, what, like, what's my summit in life? What's the thing for me that I would do anything for? There are times in me, and maybe you can, sort of uh, resonate with this, when God's spirit has been working like a silent beckoning. Meaning there's, there's something that's, it's, it's, I, I can't like, tell you exactly what it is, just the feeling like something's drawing me somewhere else. It's drawing me, in essence, maybe to climb higher, to push further, to, to get off high center, whatever you know, words you want to put in the blank there. But 
there's this silent beckoning that's drawing me out. Sometimes it's to go deeper with the Lord. Sometimes it's to go and do, to realize that I have more in me than I ever thought I ever had. And I can do things that I thought I would never do. And it's not about me, but it's like there's this spirit behind it, right? I don't know if you've ever felt this, but God does this, I believe, to all of us. It's this unseen, unprovoked beckoning that occurs. And it's not, it's not driven by other people. It's not other people telling you. It's, it's truly something that the Spirit does and it challenges the choices you make in life and it challenges your motives and it even tells you that your weaknesses can be His strength. God is bidding us to come. You know, Jesus did this with Peter on the boat, right? Peter's on the boat and he sees Jesus and he says, Jesus, if it's you, would you bid me to come out onto the water? And what does Peter, or what does Jesus do? He, he, he says, Peter, come to me. And so, Here's Peter in, the, in this boat. Everything that he understood about the boat was his safety, right? He understood the safe confines of the boat. He knew that that is how you stay on top of the water when you're in the water. But he steps out of what is familiar into something that is unfamiliar, right? And when he does that, it can only be explained by the power of God that he could feel the miracle of God underneath his feet. And it was only when he stepped out of what he knew into the unknown, out of the familiar into the unfamiliar, out of what is natural into what is spirit that he started to understand there's more going on in this world than he can actually explain. There's more going on around him that he could actually sort of logically put his own words to, but that he could only be speechless and say, I can't explain it other than it's God. And God is calling me out. And so some of us, we have these moments in which God is calling us out of the boat. And that's when the idea is pulsing through our veins and we're like, oh man, I gotta do something. And sometimes we do it and sometimes it just kind of vanishes, right? Like a mist. Have you ever felt this sort of silent beckoning? This is where the story of doing things that matter and this idea begins. Is that I believe there's a beckoning that can happen for anybody that wants to pay attention. Anybody that wants to listen. So this idea that, um, that sort of started in us, started about six or seven years ago, and kind of the place it began was we were, you, some of you have heard this story, but when I would, we'd drive our kids to school, I was driving to school one day, this six or seven years, it just kind of came out, they were getting out of the car, I said, hey, today do something that matters, and they get out, they're like, okay, and they get out of the car, and then they shut the door, and I'm like, whoa, that was really good. <laughs> that was a good idea, thanks, God. And so we started the tradition every day. They would get out of the car, and I'd say, hey, today, do things that. And then our, my girls, it was just Karis and Emily at the time, they would say, matters. So we did this every day. We're still doing it to this day. And, and now we're, we're doing it this day, and, 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 and we go to school every day. And, and Stacia Hunt, who's uh, in our neighborhood and goes here, she, she's riding to school with us. And I was like, okay, Stacia, on the first day of school, it's like, here's the deal. Like, when they, everybody gets out of the car, we say, do things that matter, and you say matter. And she's like, all right, I'm in. And so now she gets out of the car and she's like right in with the other two, like matters. And I'm like, yes, the movement has grown by one. <laughs> it's awesome. So we talk to our kids regularly about this, this idea, right, of doing things that matter. We sit around the dinner table and we talk about it. And, and it's really cool to see them engage this idea and this thought about the kingdom and about Jesus and being the light of the world, if you will. Um, and their everyday life. And we'll say, well, you know, kind of talk to us about it. What, what are you thinking about? What are you seeing when you see the world around you? Like, where's, where's opportunities that you've shined your light or done something that mattered? And 
And we've gotten all sorts of fun stories over the years. You can imagine from kindergartners, kindergartners up to, to high school, the stories we've heard. And we've, we've had everything from, you know, I gave my cheese stick to my friend at school today, which is like, that's cool. I mean, was he hungry? Yes, he really wanted it. And I was sacrificial and gave away my cheese stick. And we've heard that, and we've also heard, you know, I've shared my faith. I shared, you know, some, one of my friends had questions about God, and I opened a Bible, and I talked to them, and over time we had this discussion. And so there's really these really great moments that we have with our kids, and we dream and talk about this as a family. and Not in some weird way, even though I think some people may think it's weird, but in a purposeful and intentional way. Praise the Lord. The, the, uh, the, <laughs> the, record, the, the podcast is going, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, so this whole idea, it's about life. <laughs> I know that sounds really not that um, surprising. But this whole idea is about life. It's about your life and about my life. And it's about the life that we're choosing every day. One of the most quoted verses in the Bible happens to be about life. It's John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when Jesus claimed that he had some sort of life that he could give us, the, the, the King James Version says, which a lot of you have heard, life abundantly, right? When he said, I can give you life abundantly, he's speaking about more than just an eternal inheritance, although that would be totally good enough. He's talking about more than that. He's, he's talking about the life that we have right now, the life that we can live today. And he's saying, I can give you more. And this isn't to trivialize it and make it about material improvement in life. It's actually more than that. He's saying, I can give you a life that is full of life, right? As opposed to a life full of the opposite death. And how many people choose life that is essentially full of death? This happens all the time through the choices we make, through the things that we do. It can be as extreme as, you know, there's these moments when fear grips us and we allow fear to win or something that God's calling us to do and life is stolen by death or perhaps we believe the lie that we're not good enough to do that thing and so life is stolen by death and, or we just settle for the status quo and we have this life stolen by death. And, but Jesus is saying, I've come to snatch life from the jaws of death. He said, by the way, that life will not be easy. It will not be this really easy road. He talks about this in Matthew 7. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and we know this verse, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. Listen to these words. The same, this is the same verses, just in a different version. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. The way to life and to God is vigorous, and it requires total attention. So Jesus declares that the pathway to God and the pathway to life, it's actually it's actually a narrow path. There's a little bit of difficulty in that. It's not easy. In fact, most people aren't even on that road. They're, they're leading on a different, they're doing a different way. Have you ever, I mean, doesn't it make sense, this easygoing formulas, easygoing uh, 
What does it say? Easygoing formula is for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time, meaning it's not very intentional. You're just sort of looking for the easy way to experience as much as you can. Someone may want to chime in here and say, well, Tim, the, the real meaning behind this verse is we're talking about eternity, not the here and now. This is about the afterlife. Well, then I would say, some of you are like, who says that? Um, so, some of you, I would say, when does eternity begin and end? We are actually in eternity right now. Eternity has begun. And when Jesus talks about life eternal, it's happening. And so he's talking about today and tomorrow, and by the way, yesterday too. So you and I, we have this thing in life, right? We're trying to figure some things out, and we're all on this human quest to find this life to the full. It's been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And we have to consider the life we're choosing every day because perhaps it can be better. And when I say that, I mean this really genuinely. Like It can be better. Better for your family, your career, your church, your community, your city. Your life can be better for the sake of those things. It can even be better for the, believe it or not, the glory of God. How many of us have thought about, what can my life do for the glory of God? And ultimately, that's better for you, isn't it? It's a life full of life. Have you ever been in a conversation about life? <laughs> Where you're like, let's talk about life. Some of us maybe haven't ever had that conversation. Well, Christy and I were in a conversation about life a few years ago, and it's one of those life-changing conversations about life. And we were talking about the life that we ought to be living. And we were surrounded by a life that we were like, oh, it's not bad, but it's not the life that we feel like we should be living. And then Christy said something that I'll never, ever forget. She said, I'm tired of talking about the life that we ought to be living while letting that life pass us by. Let's get off our butts and go after it. Pretty awesome, right? I love that. I love that statement. And it's, it sent us on a trajectory in life in which we had to ask ourselves new questions and pursue new things and pursue the Lord like we never had before, trusting him in ways we never imagined and discovering all sorts of things that we never thought would happen in our life. And I've heard other people share similar stories in their own life about how God leads them to do things they never saw coming. And you probably have heard someone say something to the effect, if you want to know what someone believes, just simply observe his or her daily life, right? If you watch their life, you can derive what they believe about life and about people and about themselves. And so we, we realize that this can't just be talk, this can't just be words, that there has to be a life that actually represents the things we say. This is not new, but it takes everybody in their own place realizing I only have one life to live, no one's responsible for me, so if I'm gonna say these things, am I gonna live them? If I'm gonna say that Jesus is king, am I gonna live it? Am I gonna, if I'm gonna say I love my city, am I gonna live it? So I was thinking about, I was thinking about this, and, I, and maybe, maybe for you I could just ask a question. Do you feel like your daily life represents what you say you believe? And if you're like, how do I know that? Well, you would have stories to back up what you say you believe. Do you have stories in your life that back up what you say you believe? If I said, hey, tell me a story about loving your neighbor, or tell me a story about how you did something that mattered. Tell me a story. I want to hear, and not as a test, but just as a testimony, right, to the things that we truly believe. And I was thinking about our church and there's other stories, because I remember early on we'd say the mark of success for us, it isn't going to be all these numbers and all that kind of junk. It's going to be stories. 
It's going to be seeing the story of the Holy Spirit working within us and pouring out through us. And if we can experience that, we would know that we're doing and following God the way we ought to be following him. That's going to be the indicator. And do we have stories? And I just remember thinking back, you know, when we first said, I can't wait till we have all these stories to tell. There's stories of what people are doing and what God's doing. And, and I was just thinking about some of them this week, and I'll probably be telling stories throughout the series, but I was, I was thinking about Brian Walker. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he's in here, but Brian Walker is a guy who went to Vietnam uh, and just got back a couple weeks ago. And he went to Vietnam to be a missionary and to serve as a teacher and um, teaching English, but then sharing love of Christ. And uh, I just remember the conversations I had with Brian before he left. We probably talked for almost a couple years about it, not a, about just what God was calling him to. And I remember him just saying, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I know I'm just, I'm supposed to do something. <laughs> and he, he started searching it out and figuring it out and saying, and asking and praying and talking with people. And he was, con- and he was in a pretty great career. And God just sort of disrupted his life and he packed his bags and he left. And, and, I, and, I, and I think more about the times though, when he was just like, pursuing this silent beckoning that was in his heart. I'm thinking about Sabrina Mackey. The first time I talked about Sabrina Mackey, or talked about silent beckoning, Sabrina came to me. She said, I, I think I have, I, and you probably remember this, I'm looking at it right now, but she's like, I have this, this, this thing going on, like I think I'm supposed to do something. This God's silently beckoning me to. And I was like, what? And she's like, I think I'm supposed to change my career. She was in a good career. She's got two kids. She's like, but to do it, I'm going to have to like quit working and go to school. I feel like I'm supposed to be a nurse, and God's going to use that, and that's what I'm supposed to do, and he's going to do that in ministry, and all this kind of stuff. And so for, she dropped everything, and this wasn't just a commitment for hers, for her whole family, and they did this, and she's been working as a nurse now for two months, right, or something like that. And I mean, it's just like, that's crazy and awesome. You listen to the Lord, and, 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 and you did something. I think about Jesse Brower. And she's like, hey, I, she's a young woman here in our church. She's like, hey, I don't feel like doing things that matter is something I got to do someday. It's something I can do right now. And so she signs up to be a foster parent, right? And she brings a child into her home by herself, a child who is in a moment in life where she needs someone that's going to love her, right? And you did that. And that's beautiful. And here's the cool thing about this. Doing things that matter, they don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. Because in every one of those cases, there's a story that led to the moment before Brian or Sabrina or Jesse did the brave things that God put in front of them. A story led to the moment in which they probably, in so many words, looked at themselves in the mirror or looked at their friend or looked at their spouse and they said, you know, I'm tired of talking about the life that we ought to be living. We need to quit letting that life pass us by and we need to go after it. There's that moment in which it no longer will just fade or just become a mist that vanishes, but you grab a hold of it and you step into it and you actually do the things that God's calling you to do. That's what doing things that matter is all about. It's saying every day and every moment of my life has the potential. It's brimming with the potential for God's kingdom to receive glory. Because I believe that every dream, every worthy endeavor, every moment begins with the discontent of frustration compassion, hunger, desperation. And I feel like you may be feeling one of those things, you may be feeling all of them, but each of them represents an emptiness that needs to be filled. And I believe that's the silent beckoning. Sometimes we have to realize the frustration or the ache in our heart that we feel or the discontent that we feel 
perhaps that's just the silent beckoning that God's saying, you can do something about that. I'm about done. We're going to worship in just a moment. Kind of respond, if you will, to the Lord. But, you know, this life that Jesus talks about, that's the life to the full. I'm not, I realize today isn't like we take the central text and really break it down and we really teach it. We're talking about an idea, but it's all, it's all rooted in this kingdom purpose sort of understanding of life. You know, when I think about that, there are, there are millions and millions of people who, per, who are perceived, probably by us, as indifferent, um, as disinterested in God. You know what I'm saying? Like, we look around at society around us, and we think, oh, there's people who really care about God, and there's people maybe who don't. And we think, we think that they aren't interested in God. And I, and I would say, I don't think that's true. I think, I think that I think that there's a frustration in our world. But there's a lot of people out there that have rejected God or rejected Christ, not because they're not interested in God, but because they haven't experienced Him and because they haven't honestly seen God manifested in His people in any compelling way that actually seems life-changing. And so the people of God who are supposed to be the voice of God, we've forgotten how to speak to the world. We've actually lost our voice. And, we, and we've tried different ways to refine it and rekindle it and, and, and try and get the, the voice out. And there's just one thing that's missing. We say all these things we believe, but then the life that is behind it doesn't seem to back up what we say we believe. Because the life doesn't represent our words. And so there's all these people that are rejecting God and they're saying, I, I'm not necessarily not trying to find him. I actually am trying to find him, but you're not really helping me. <laughs> And if there's anybody in the world that should, that should want to not only do things that matter, but if there's anyone in the world that should care about that and care about the plight that so many lives are in because they are confused, it should be the people of God, right? We should be the ones that really care about it. We say, you know what? Not only do we want that life that Jesus promises for us, but we want it for them. Because if we live it, they'll see it, and we can share it, and we can actually teach them and help them into the life that Jesus promises. We can usher in the kingdom all by being people who actually engage in what the Spirit is saying, are willing to step out of the boat, are willing to listen to the silent beckoning, and actually let the idea burst out of our body into the world around us. That is what it means to be a person who does things that matter. It's to say, I'm going to take the things that God is doing in me, and I'm actually going to have a life that has a story worth telling. Because my life is all about stories, and if I don't have any stories to tell, then what am I really doing? And I'm not going to try and tell stories about the testimony of what I've done, but I'm going to talk about the stories because when you step out of a boat and you realize, oh my gosh, the natural is not as natural as I thought. There's something spiritual going on. Guess what? That story no longer becomes about you. Who gets the glory now? God gets the glory because something supernatural happened and the story becomes about what God's doing in this world and people hear your story and guess what? They hear that there's a testimony about God and all these people that have been rejecting God, they are disinterested in God, who are agnostic towards God, they start to say, well, maybe God actually is alive. Maybe God actually is on the move. And maybe God actually does see me and does love me and he does have me and he does want me. Maybe that's what would happen when a group of people would say, we're going to do things that matter because that's who God's called us to be. Are you with me? 
Let's pray together. I want to lead you in a moment of response. We can do it right in our chair today. I felt like the Lord sort of this morning wanted me to sort of speak to where we're at in life. This is a whole sermon, if you will, about life and idea about life. So I want you to really listen because I feel like there's a few groups of people I got to talk to today. I feel like there's a group of people in this room that life has not become what you expected. You had dreams and those things are like a distant memory. And you're sitting here right now and you're like, what happened? I'm here and I want to experience what God's promised, but things haven't worked out like I thought. Is there, is there anyone in here like, says, yeah, that's me. You don't have to raise your hand, but I just want you to acknowledge that in your own heart right now. Because I feel like there's a group, and I just want you to hear that I believe God wants you to know that He's not done with you yet. And that He has something for you that you never saw coming. Something you thought you'd never do. So many people think the really spiritual things or the really godly things are for someone else. And God wants you to hear that that's just not true. It's for all of us, including you, and he's bidding you to come. So if that's you right now, I just want you to hear from him. Trust him. There's another group of people in here that I feel like I need to identify and the Lord really pressed in my heart to just speak to. And it's a group of you that perhaps you need to hear today, come clean, if you will, that you've made things in your life, uh, the most important things that matter to you or the things that God would say, those aren't the most important things that matter to me. You're chasing something that isn't the most important thing. Perhaps you're chasing material things or money or whatever it is. And, and, and this is what I believe God wants you to hear today is that God's saying, I want to be your treasure. I want to be your treasure. Would you receive that right now? Someone in this room I know needs to hear that. God wants to be the thing you love the most. There's one more group of people I feel like the Spirit is prompted in me that really needs to hear something today. And it's a group of people that have been in church for a while and you've been walking, if you will, with the Lord for a while. But you if you're being really honest, you happen to be in church today, but the whole church thing is kind of a mess for you. You've been sort of hurt at times in the past. You've seen too much of what can happen in a church. and, and, And I feel like I want you to hear that, one, I understand, and so you're a little bit, you're a little bit of a struggle of what to do with all that because 
We don't even know if the church is necessary. I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a reframing that the Spirit wants to say to you, and it's this, that you are the church. That thing, those stories in the past that have been hard for you, that's not what his version of the church is. That's just people. And he wants to hear that you're the church, and he needs you to show others what the church should be. So don't give up. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, those that were maybe in those groups that identified, those that weren't, I thank you for the life that you give us. And Lord, I pray now that as we just spend time worshiping you, the Lord, we would we'd respond maybe in prayer at the altar or with, with those on our prayer team, God. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us?